first journey part one of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain first journey part one we sailed from malta on the nineteenth of may eighteen fifteen and arrived at alexandria on the ninth of june following mrs belzoni myself and james curtin a lad whom i brought with me from ireland formed our party the principal cause of my going to egypt was the project of constructing hydraulic machines to irrigate the fields by a system much easier and more economical than what is in use in that country on entering the harbour of alexandria the pilot informed us that the plague was in the town to a european who had never been in that country this was alarming intelligence as i wished to have some information concerning the state of the disease we did not land till the next day when two european gentlemen came alongside in a boat and informed us that it was rapidly diminishing we accordingly landed but with much caution as in our way to the french ocal where we were to perform quarantine we had to pass through the town fortunately st john's day which is the twenty fourth of june was not far off and on that day the plague is supposed to cease some superstitious persons attribute this to the power of the saint himself but it is too well known that extreme heat checks the plague in the same manner as the cold season and i observed myself that when the heat of summer was not so great as usual the plague lasted longer while on the other hand when the cold season lasted longer the plague came later the necessity of putting ourselves into a voluntary prison the caution we were obliged to take not to touch any person or suffer any one to touch us the strict order to be observed in receiving anything that came from out of doors and the continual perfumes with which we were regaled to prevent the plague as they say were extremely strange to a novice in the customs of the country we were confined to our apartment and for three or four days no one came near us we were really sick but i took the caution not to let it be known for the plague is so dreadful a scourge and operates so powerfully on human fears and human prejudices that during its prevalence if a man be ill he must be ill of the plague and if he die he must have died of the plague no inquiry is made no examination takes place accordingly had the people of the ocal come to the knowledge of our being indisposed and particularly that we vomited they would have concluded though it was merely the effect of a new climate that we had caught the pestilence in passing through the town and the whole ocal would have been struck with terror thinking the enemy was within the gate the ocal is an enclosure of several houses so disposed as to form a square there is no entrance to the area of the square but by the great gate leading to a common staircase above which a gallery takes you to every house in plague time the people of these habitations must communicate with each other without touching no provision can enter without being passed through water nor must bread be touched whilst warm the disease is so easily caught that a piece of thread blown by the wind is quite sufficient to infect the whole country had it been known that we were ill no one would have come near us except the arabs who go in case of sickness indiscriminately to every one and are thus likely to spread the plague by giving it to those who had it not many die the victims of neglect merely because every disease is taken for the plague 
others are victims of a different kind of the atrocious interested views of their relatives who profiting by their death may take what advantage they please even by poison as no investigation takes place in any instance he died of the plague is the general cry whatever may be the disease and as several hundreds perish daily they are all carried away without distinction after the twenty fourth of june called the great st john the plague nearly ceased and as my principal view was to reach cairo we hired a boat in company with mr turner an english gentleman who was going up the nile we sailed on the first of july but owing to contrary winds were brought back the same evening the next day we re-embarked and were then obliged to land at abukir in consequence of high winds we visited the place where many a brave fellow had fallen a sacrifice to the war and to the glory of his country human bones were scattered here and there continuing our voyage the same day we entered the mouth of the nile and landed at rosetta four days more brought us to bulak within a mile of cairo though our eyes began to be accustomed to the sight of the arabs in alexandria the bustling scene here was still more striking the majestic appearance of the turkish soldiers in various costumes without regularity or discipline arabs of many tribes boats kanjis camels horses and asses all in motion presented a striking picture i landed and went immediately to cairo and as the holy fathers of the convent of terra santa could not receive women within their walls we were accommodated in an old house in bulak belonging to mr bejos to whom i was recommended he was the principal interpreter of mohammed ali and director of all foreign affairs a man of great acuteness of understanding and so well disposed toward strangers particularly europeans that it was soon arranged that on such a day i was to be presented to his highness the bashaw to make my proposal the house we inhabited was so old and out of repair that i expected every moment it would fall on our heads all the windows were shut up with broken wooden rails the staircase was in so wretched a condition that scarcely a step was left entire the door was fastened simply by a pole placed against it having neither lock nor anything else to secure the entrance there were many rooms in it but the ceiling in all of them was in a most threatening state the whole furniture consisted of a single mat in one of the best rooms which we considered as our drawing-room we had mattresses and linen with us otherwise we must have adopted the arab method of sleeping as no chairs are to be had in this country we sat on the ground a box and a trunk served as a table fortunately we had a few plates as well as knives and forks which we had provided to use in the boat and james our irish lad bought us a set of culinary utensils of pottery such were our accommodations though my principal object was not antiquities at that time i could not restrain myself from going to see the wonder of the world the pyramids i took an opportunity of going with mr turner who obtained an escort of soldiers from the bashaw to accompany us we went there to sleep that we might ascend the first pyramid early enough in the morning to see the rising of the sun and accordingly we were on the top of it long before the dawn of day the scene here is majestic and grand far beyond description 
a mist over the plains of egypt formed a veil which ascended and vanished gradually as the sun rose and unveiled to the view that beautiful land once the site of memphis the distant view of the smaller pyramids on the south marked the extension of that vast capital while the solemn endless spectacle of the desert on the west inspired us with reverence for the all-powerful creator the fertile lands on the north with the serpentine course of the nile descending towards the sea the rich appearance of cairo and its numerous minarets at the foot of the mokattam mountains on the east the beautiful plain which extends from the pyramids to that city the nile which flows magnificently through the centre of the sacred valley and the thick groves of palm trees under our eyes all together formed a scene of which very imperfect ideas can be given by the most elaborate description we descended to admire at some distance the astonishing pile that stood before us composed of such an accumulation of enormous blocks of stones that i was at a loss to conjecture how they could be brought thither and presently we entered the pyramid but i must reserve for some other time the more minute account of this wonderful work we went round the second pyramid examined several of these mausoleums and returned to cairo with the satisfaction of having seen a wonder which i had long desired but never supposed i should have the happiness to behold a few days after we made a party of europeans to go as far as saqqara by water and after visiting the pyramids of that place the party returned to cairo except mr turner and myself who went to see the pyramids of Dajor these are considerably smaller than the large ones i believe in the proportion of about one to six one of them is of a different form as it has a curve in the angles which brings it to a perpendicular near the ground this and those at saqqara which appear like hanging galleries differ from the generality in point of shape but the two of Dajor are in better preservation than any of the rest i observed also near saqqara and batracina which i believe to be the central part of memphis the remains of other pyramids which by their dilapidated state induced me to suppose that they are of an earlier date than any of the rest at this time i had no opportunity of visiting the pits of the embalmed mummies and birds but a fella brought us one of the earthen vases that contained a bird which i believe to be a hawk by the shape of the bones the vase was so perfect that we laughed at the arab for his attempting to impose on us seeing that he could not sell his piece of antiquity and that he was laughed at besides he broke the vase before us to show what connoisseurs we were of antiques we overshot the mark this time for the caution that had been given us never to credit what an arab says made us disbelieve the truth on our returning towards the nile we passed by the broken pyramid of sun-baked bricks and it appeared to me on examining it afterwards that it did not decay gradually like the other pyramids but by large masses of the bricks separating at a time from the rest on our arrival at the nile it was quite night and we had to pass several villages to come to a place where we could embark for old cairo our road was through a cluster of palm trees which by moonlight had a most solemn effect some of the arabs were dancing to the usual tunes on the tambourines and forgetting perhaps the slavish condition in which they are held by the turks were happy for a while we took a small boat and arrived in old cairo before day 
two days after i was to be presented to the bashaw on the subject of my hydraulic project and accordingly i went to the house of mr bajos where i first became acquainted with the late mr burkhart this acquaintance was a fortunate circumstance for me as the various and important information i acquired from him proved to be of the greatest service to me in that country and i shall ever remember it with the deepest gratitude going to the citadel with mr bajos we had to pass through several of the principal streets which are always crowded with people and for this reason a stranger supposes the capital to be very populous but except these streets and the bazaars the rest of the town is quite deserted and a great number of falling houses and much rubbish are to be seen everywhere we were mounted on our asses the most convenient and only mode of travelling for franks in that city we met a soldier on horseback who when he came near gave me such a blow with his staff upon my right leg that i thought he had cut it in two the staves of the turks which are like shovels cut very sharp and one of the corners catching the calf of my leg tore off a piece of flesh in a triangular form two inches broad and pretty deep after this he swore two or three oaths at me and went on as if nothing had happened the blood ran out copiously and instead of seeing the bashaw i was taken to the convent of terrasanta as the nearest christian place i could go to it is to be remarked that at this time there was a great discontent among the soldiers against the bashaw for having given orders that they should learn the european military evolutions and as i was in a frank's dress i suppose the fellow paid me for what he had learned of european fighting from the convent i was taken home to my house in bulak where i remained under cure for thirty days before i could stand on my legs during my confinement in this house i had an opportunity of observing at some distance the manners of the arabs who passed under our window our house stood in a good situation where we could observe all the landing from the boats that came from alexandria and rosetta all the goods which went or came passed our residence and the caravans of the moors from mecca halted for several days in this place it was a strange sight for us to observe these people in their tents living in separate families while their chief occupation was sitting on the ground smoking singing and saying prayers which i observed lasted sometimes three or four hours besides the ceremonial prayers repeated standing and kneeling i did not make any minute observations for as i have said my first occupation was with a different view nor did i expect at that period that i should ever have anything to do with these people as a traveller when i recovered i was presented to mahomet ali basha who received me very civilly seeing that i walked lamely and being told the cause he said such accidents could not be avoided where there were troops i made an arrangement with him and undertook to erect a machine which would raise as much water with one ox as the machines of the country with four he was much pleased with my proposal as it would save the labour and expense of many thousands of oxen in the country a matter of importance since these animals are scarcely of any other use than working for though they are in great good condition they are seldom killed for food the turks eating mutton and the arabs buffalo's flesh when they can afford it the bashaw was just returned from arabia where he had conquered some of the wahhabi tribes and delivered the holy cities of mecca and medina from the infidels 
he himself conducted the war till lately when his son ibrahim bashaw conquered some of the great chiefs who were taken prisoners and sent to constantinople where they were executed notwithstanding this i am of opinion that mecca will be to the turks what jerusalem is to the christians for unless a strong army be kept there the crusades of mahomet ali will have no better effect than that of our godfrey of bouillon during the time that i was engaged in preparing my hydraulic machine one morning i went on the road towards cairo and to my surprise found a perfect silence instead of the continual confusion of noise and bustle of every description the boatmen were getting their boats ready as if to set off immediately no camels appeared to carry water to cairo no ass-drivers were seen no shops open and no person in the streets i could not conceive what was the reason of this singularity nor could i inquire of any one as no one person was in the way but being friday i concluded it might be some particular holiday with the mohammedans i went on and still i met no one the distance from bulak to cairo is about a mile through an open country and midway is a bridge near which i found a group of soldiers i continued my walk without noticing them one of them however levelled a gun at me and all the rest laughed at the idea of frightening a frank i passed on till i entered cairo when i reached the frank's quarter both gates were shut but through the small door i observed a frank engaged like myself in the act of peeping and who proved to be mr booty the swedish consul-general who was surprised to see me i could not imagine what all this meant at first i concluded that a violent plague had broken out and that every one kept his house but the mohammedans do not seclude themselves on such occasions so i was at a great loss what inference to draw mr booty anxiously inquired of me how i happened to be there whence i came and what i had seen on the road and he was not a little surprised when i told him that i came from bulak and did not see anything particular on the way i had not been at the door long before we heard a great noise in some of the streets and a volley of musketry discharged i was then hurried into the franks quarters and the gates were closely shut i was soon informed that a revolution had broken out among the soldiers against the bashaw and that some of the troops were in pursuit of him to the citadel whither he had retired for safety strange as it may appear it proved that by our not communicating with anybody in bulak we knew nothing of what passed in the morning at cairo and it so happened that at the very place where the revolution had begun which was the seraglio in the esbaki no one was visible when i passed for after the bashaw had retired into the citadel all the soldiers ran after him and as to the rest of the people no one came out of their houses all the franks in their quarter were alarmed and prepared for defence in case the gates should be attacked i went to the house of mr bajos as i had business with him and he was not a little surprised to see me knowing where i lived i was much concerned for mrs belzoni whom i had left at home with only james and an arab and though mr bajos endeavoured to persuade me to stop with them all night i insisted on returning almost immediately i went off unperceived by any one in the house but at the gates of the quarter i found great difficulty in having the door opened and no sooner was i out than it was instantly closed after me 
i took the same road that i came and had not gone far when i met a body of armed soldiers running towards the centre of the town advancing further i heard several muskets discharged in a street near and many others at some distance indeed there was a continual firing kept up on my approaching the esbaki i saw several soldiers running towards the seraglio and others hastening towards me when they came up one seized my bridle while another took me by the collar and the rest were busied in rifling my pockets i had but a few dollars in my possession and my pocket-book contained only letters and passports of which i know not how they have disposed but what principally drew their attention was a white topaz brooch which i had in the frill of my shirt and which they took for a brilliant i kept in good humour with them and when i perceived their attention to the topaz i began to move in order to depart i do not know whether i had reason to fear they would call after me suspecting that i marked them so as to recognise them again but i proceeded and nothing further happened to me on the road for several days we kept ourselves close in the house as we were advised by a friendly turk our neighbour not to be seen during this time the soldiers plundered the shops in cairo and the bashaw sent the syrian horse against them now known under the appellation of tartur these were the only troops faithful to him but being mounted they could not follow the albanians who were posted in ploughed fields between cairo and bulak one day the cavalry advanced and the albanians retired towards bulak our house was so situated that from the upper part of it we could see the firing of the troop on one side and on the other the confusion of the people who had taken to the boats which were soon crowded with them and in the hurry many of the boats went adrift it was expected that the troops would plunder the place if they entered it in such case i depended on the appearance and ruined state of our habitation which i had reason to think would rather deter the soldiers from entering it lest it should fall on their heads than invite them to plunder besides we had no treasure with us unless they had taken our kitchen furniture of earthen pots and so forth there was a universal cry among the people and the troops advanced to the very entrance of the town but fortunately they were prevented from coming in by the cavalry who were making a circuit had taken post on the road the confusion continued in this manner for several days at last after having plundered and ravaged cairo at their pleasure the troops retired to their camps and in a few days more matters were arranged again i have reason to think that the bashaw knew who the chief instigators of this insurrection were for we found that several persons shortly after died of sudden deaths and indeed many of the chiefs and bays disappeared the discontented troops were all sent to encampments in various stations at a distance from cairo and part towards mecca but the european exercise which was said to have been the cause of the revolt of the troops was wholly abandoned and consigned to oblivion turks are averse to control of any sort and particularly to what is not the result of mohammedan customs i was never more amused than when i saw our military evolutions attempted by men whose large trousers are peculiarly unsuited to our light motions when all was quiet again i recommenced my hydraulic preparations the place where i was to erect my machine was in sombra at the garden of the bashaw on the nile three miles from cairo 
we went to reside there in a small house within the walls of the governor's palace which was closed at night by large gates something like the ocales in alexandria i had many provoking difficulties to encounter before i became acquainted with the people of the place as they supposed that the introduction of such machines into the country would throw many of them out of work consequently i was not welcome among them and the very persons who were to furnish me with what was necessary in wood iron carpentry and so forth would be the first to suffer by it if the machine succeeded it may therefore easily be imagined that i had to contend with many obstacles besides the prejudice against all strangers or innovation in the customs of the natives as a proof of this may be cited the hydraulic machine already in subra sent as a present from england to the bashaw of egypt which is said to have cost ten thousand pounds it was neatly put up though the engineer who was in charge of it met with many difficulties before he effected it at last it was set to work but as it was imagined that an english machine would inundate the whole country in an hour the quantity of water raised was not adequate to their expectation and it has been left useless ever since for my own part i have no doubt that the machine might have been made to draw up more water if the person who constructed it could have seen the place and situation in which it was to act the failure in this instant had given me an early surmise of what might be my own fate and i was not mistaken during my stay at subra i became acquainted with many turks and in particular with the governor of the palace as we had our house within his walls the garden of the bashaw was under his care and a guard was kept at the gates the seraglio is so situated that the front looks over the hill at the back of it is the garden which is under the care of greeks who in a few years have brought it to great perfection there are beautiful alcoves made in form of cupolas entirely covered with plants and the water machines which are constantly at work keep up a perpetual verdure there is a fountain in the european style and a great quantity of fruit particularly grapes and peaches but they never grow to any size like ours for many get rotten and fall before they are ripe in consequence the turks eat them green the bashaw is in continual motion being sometimes at his citadel and sometimes at his seraglio in the escabi but subra is his principal residence his chief amusement is in the evening a little before sunset when he quicks his seraglio and seats himself on the bank of the nile to fire at an earthen pot with his guards if any of them hit it he makes him a present occasionally of forty or fifty rubies he is himself an excellent marksman for i saw him fire at and hit a pot only fifteen inches high set on the ground on the opposite side of the nile though the river at subra is considerably wider than the thames at westminster bridge as soon as it is dark he retires into the garden and reposes either in an alcove or by the margin of a fountain on an european chair with all his attendants round him here his numerous buffoons keep him in continual high spirits and good humour by moonlight the scene was beautiful i was admitted into the garden whenever i wished by which means i had an opportunity of observing the domestic life of a man who from nothing rose to be viceroy of egypt and conqueror of the most powerful tribes of arabia 
from the number of lights i frequently saw through the windows of the seraglio i supposed the ladies were at such times amusing themselves in some way or other dancing women are often brought to divert them and sometimes the famous catalani of egypt was introduced one of the buffoons of the bashaw took it into his head one day for a frolic to shave his beard which is no trifle among the turks for some of them i really believe would sooner have their head cut off than their beard he borrowed some frank's clothes of the bashaw's apothecary who was from europe and after dressing himself in our costume presented himself to the bashaw as a european who could not speak a single word either of turkish or arabic which is often the case being in the dark the bashaw took him for what he represented himself to be and sent immediately for the interpreter who put some questions to him in italian which he did not answer he was then questioned in french but no reply the next in the german and spanish languages and still he was silent at last when he saw that they were all deceived the bashaw not accepted he burst out in plain turkish the only language he was acquainted with and his well-known voice told them who he was for such was the change of his person particularly by the cutting off his beard that otherwise they could scarcely have recognized him the bashaw was delighted with the fellow and to keep up the frolic gave him an order on the treasury for an enormous sum of money and sent him to the cachebe to present himself as a frank to receive it the cachebe started at the immensity of the sum as it was nearly all that the treasury could furnish but upon questioning this new european it was soon perceived who he was in this attire he went home to his women who actually thrust him out of the door and such was the disgrace of cutting off his beard that even his fellow buffoons would not eat with him till it was grown again the bashaw seems to be well aware of the benefits that may be derived from his encouraging the arts of europe in his country and had already reaped some of the fruits of it the fabrication of gunpowder the refining of sugar the making of fine indigo and the silk manufacture are introduced much to his advantage he is constantly inquiring after something new and is delighted with anything strange to his imagination having heard of electricity he sent to england for two electric machines one with a plate the other with a cylinder the former was broken by the way the latter was dismounted the physician of the bashaw an armenian did not know though it was so easy a matter how to set it up happening to be at the garden one evening when they were attempting it and could not succeed i was requested to put the several pieces together and having done so i made one of the soldiers mount on the insulating stool charged the machine and gave the turk a good shock who expecting no such thing uttered a loud cry and jumped off as much terrified as if he had seen the devil the bashaw laughed at the man jumping off supposing his fright to be a trick and not the effect of the machine and when told that it was actually occasioned by the machine he affirmed positively that it could not be for the soldier was at such a distance that it was impossible the small chain he held in his hand could have such power i then desired the interpreter to inform his highness that if he would mount the stool himself he would be convinced of the fact he hesitated for a while whether to believe me or not however he mounted the stool i charged well put the chain into his hand and gave him a pretty smart shock 
he jumped off like the soldier on feeling the effect of the electricity but immediately threw himself on the sofa in a fit of laughter not being able to conceive how the machine could have such power on the human body the governor of subra zulfur karasha was a mameluke of about sixty-five years of age and an instance of the promotion of one of that body of men who for many centuries ruled egypt his political conduct towards the bashaw procured him the place of governor of a village which contained the residence of the bashaw himself and a vast tract of land the cultivation of which was entirely under his direction he was a learned man among the turks and had a considerable portion of knowledge in agriculture which i suppose to be the cause of his continuing to enjoy the bashaw's favour he had travelled a great deal in the ottoman dominions and had acquired much information which is uncommon for a turk but the prejudices of his nation and the superstitions of his religion notwithstanding all this did not quit him an instant at night i used to go to his divan or a conversazione to chat drink coffee and smoke a pipe we agreed in many points but on that of the hydraulic machine i could make no impression upon him as it was against his interest to be convinced he was one day taken very ill and as there was no physician nearer than cairo he sent to know whether we could not do something for him as it was only a violent cold mrs belzoni sent him a negus which he liked so well that he continued the medicine for several days some time after this mrs belzoni had a pain in her side one evening i went to his divan and as he always inquired after the health of his physician i informed him of the circumstance upon which he assured me that it was nothing but what he would find a remedy for immediately and he rose and went into an inner room from which with all imaginable pomp and devotion he brought out a book the sheikh of the mosque was present and after turning over and over again the leaves of this book they concluded on what was to be done three pieces of paper were cut in a triangular form the size of a playing card and the sheikh wrote on them several words in arabic of these pieces of paper he told me that mrs belzoni must fasten one to her forehead by a string and one to each ear he then fetched a piece of the skin of a lamb that had been sacrificed during the feast of byram the sheikh wrote on this also and it was to be applied to the part affected i thanked him very much for his kindness and brought away the amulets which we keep to this day as a memorial of the turkish method of curing pains it happened that mrs belzoni was somewhat better a day or two after and the old turk exulted in having repaid the obligation he had incurred when cured by her of his cold the arabs of subra exhibit as much festivity when a marriage of consequence takes place as those of any of the villages in egypt fortunately one happened while we were there and as the window of our house overlooked the very spot where the festival was to be celebrated we had an opportunity of seeing the whole ceremony early in the morning of the grand holiday a high pole was planted in the centre of the place with a banner belonging to the village a large assembly of people gathered under it and preparations were made for an illumination with glass lamps and so forth the arabs from other villages came to the feast in procession beating their tambourines and waving their flags 
at some distance from the pole they halted and did not advance till a deputation was sent to invite them to the feast the elders of the village seated themselves around and under the pole and the strangers at a little distance one of those standing near the pole who had an uncommonly good pipe began to sing while the rest divided themselves into two parties forming two circles one within the other round the pole and facing each other by each man putting his arms over his neighbour's shoulders each circle formed a continuous chain the outer circle stood still while the people of the inner circle kept dancing and bowing in an orderly manner to those in the outer thus they continued three hours and those who were not in the circles made separate rings by themselves some of the hajis who were desirous of exhibiting their powers in ceremonial devotion went on positively for two hours and some minutes bending their bodies nearly to the ground and raising them up again with such quickness that it would be impossible for any one who was not accustomed to it to undergo such exertion a quarter of an hour all the women were at a distance by themselves and among them was the bride when the dancing and singing ended they all sat down in large circles and a great quantity of boiled rice was brought to them in large wooden bowls beside a number of dishes of malachi and bames footnote plants eaten in common by the arabs as greens end note and three or four large sheep roasted which were immediately torn to pieces and devoured for the drinking department they had a number of boys who were fully employed in fetching water in large bardacks from the nile but some of the party i knew had a sly corner to which to retire for a drop of horaki for it is in this private way they drink it at night the pole and all the place around it was illuminated the people seated themselves in an orderly manner in the form of an amphitheatre the women forming a part of the circle separate from the men a band of tambourines and pipes was continually playing and the entertainment began with dancing by two well-known and distinguished performers end of first journey part one